0: Welcome back to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. As always, it is your host, Nick Zeraris. Welcome back, guys. It's been a minute. Went on vacation last week. Opted against doing shows Monday and Tuesday. Just, I didn't feel, I just, I'll be honest. I didn't want to spend a whole episode recounting the Daytona 500 because there was already another NASCAR race, the Fontana, on this past Sunday, which was a very good race, by the way, but Wanted to stick with the NHL team series because we've been making a lot of headway, getting our way through the league, trying to get to all 32 teams by the trade deadline. The series continues on today and the rest of this week. My good friend Hunter Hodes is by, host of the Lockdown Penguins podcast, to unpack the state of the Penguins. But before I get to today's show, got to take care of the business, you know, number one, Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. The show is available on all of your major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts. Once you've subscribed, if you're using Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave a review for the show. Reviews are greatly appreciated. It doesn't take you a lot of time. helps me out immensely. Just go to the show's page, you scroll down to the bottom past our recent episodes, there's going to be five clear purple stars. Hit the one furthest to the right, five star review. Underneath that is a button with purple letters that says, Write a review. Please leave a few words. Reviews help the show gain traction. The more people leave comments, the bigger the show can grow. All of that stuff helps me as a content creator, whether I'm trying to get advertisers for the show or to get a bigger platform, join a network or Seek full time employment somewhere. All of that stuff matters. Leaving reviews is very easy to do. And do that for all of the shows you listen to, all the podcasts you enjoy, not just this one. Reviews help out your cre- content creators immensely, and they are greatly appreciated. So, today's show, very straightforward. We're going to talk about the Penguins. They're sitting in second place in the Metropolitan Division. They had a really, really good January. They feature, you, you know, the names Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. Tristan Diari is having a very nice season after a pretty rough playoffs last spring against the Islanders. They've gotten some nice secondary play from guys like Evan Rodriguez, guys like Brock McGinn. Do have some struggles, though. Kasperi Kapanen, not nearly good as he was last year. The defense is decent on paper, but Brian Dumoulin not quite as effective defensively as defensively as he'd been in years past that second pair of peterson and john marino has leaves a little bit to be desired even though they have pretty solid metrics it's a really good conversation today with hunter about the penguins a good snapshot of where they are how their expectations have changed based on this season how good a job mike sullivan has done as head coach and a whole lot more so i will see you guys on the other side of the drop with hunter and we will talk about the pittsburgh penguins And with that, I am very happy to welcome back to the show one of my really good friends, the host of the Locked On Penguins podcast, Hunter Hodges. How are we doing, Hunter?
1: Not bad, Nick. You know, it's you know the weather is getting warmer. That means the playoffs are a couple months away. Um, sucks that baseball is not going to start on time, but you know <laughs> yeah. there's uh, a lot of uh, hockey that's going to be played between now and May first or second, whenever the playoffs begin. Yeah,
0: and speaking of the playoffs, that that's what the Ranger-Penguin game on Saturday felt like. That was uh, mm-hmm. whoever was going to score first would dramatically swing the flow of the game. I mean, the Rangers had a decent first period, and then the Penguins kind of pulled away in the second and third. And in a game like that, if there's only one power play in the whole game and the one team gets it, I mean... It, When it's that close, when the margin of error is that small, and you've got two truly special players on the ice at the same time on the other team, in Crosby and Malkin, it's going to be difficult to win more often than not. Uh, That type of game is exactly why I've been very bearish on the Rangers all year, because... They're not situated to survive against a team like Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh isn't even the highest in the pecking order in terms of lineup depth. It's just they've got two pretty good lines, a solid fourth line, and they still kind of need to figure out who's going to play with Malkin and that kind of thing. Yeah. But impressions of the game from Saturday. First time they met this season, Rangers and Penguins. For some reason, a lot more divisional games down the stretch. I guess that was a conscious decision by the schedule makers to try and ramp up some intensity for the postseason. Impressions of how the Penguins ha- played against the Rangers before we get into the bigger picture, larger conversation that I wanted to have on today's show.
1: Yeah, so I kind of, um, I ba- basically, you know, it, it kind of reminded me when I was 16 or 17 again, kind of, um, when they played in the playoffs, it almost looked like a throwback of the 2014 series where, yeah. This time, it was Igor Shosturkin standing on his head and not the best goaltender of this generation and Henrik Lundqvist. But, you know, I've been making the joke on my podcast that he's basically a clone of Hank with how he's been playing this year. Um, And, you know, when you give uh, the Penguins power play that many chances. Eventually, they are going to break through. They've been one of the three best power plays ever since getting Malkin came back. Um, I mean, he, you know, for as much as people like to rag on him and say he's not that good anymore, he should be traded. I mean, the guy has 21 points in 19 games. He's almost up to double digit goals. This is still one of the best players in hockey. And when he is doing his thing, you know, good luck slowing him down, even at age 35. I did think the penguins started out a bit slow. That's been a problem. I think as of late, they have not been ready for some of these games. You know, I think part of that is due to, you know, there's a lot of games left still the penguins are basically in the playoffs. I mean, bearing a monumental collapse of losing 10 or 12 in a row and letting a couple teams into the race. Um, But you know, that, that's the thing you know these are late February early March games now you're sometimes not going to bring your best though as you said they brought it in the second period I thought they were the better team they outchanced the Rangers out attempted them third period they did the same thing and they were finally able to break through um, thanks to Evgeny Malkin's power play goal a one timer I um, believe it was blocker side pass just and you know it was a perfect shot and that's yeah. how you beat a goalie like that when he's this hot you know, he's 940 for a reason. He's going to win the Vesna for a reason. And he was stopping everything up until that point. And Malkin was like, all right, I got to figure out where to put this puck in that situation. And he put it in a spot that, you know, only the, in the only place where Shostakhin could be beat. And, you no, know, the Penguins also got an excellent performance from Tristan Jari. I think, honestly, yeah. a national audience. Finally got to see what I think all Penguins fans and media have seen in that, he has played as one of the five to 10 best goalies in hockey this year. It's pretty crazy that, you know, we're even saying that um, after what happened last May, but he's been that good every single game. And, you know, this was a playoff preview right now. The Penguins are nine points up on the Capitals. Both teams have 27 games left. Um, Carolina is four points up with about two or three games in hand on the Penguins. Um, I would be shocked if this is not Penguins Rangers in the first round for the first time in basically six years.
0: Yeah, something like
1: that. So you brought it up there. So let's start there.
0: Last May, they go out against the Islanders. I picked the Islanders to win that series purely on gut instinct. The Penguins are a more talented team. But for the most part, for a lot of people in my point of view, and hockey media in general, had kind of assumed – It was over more or less for the penguins after last spring how it went and the state of the roster the decisions they would have to make the age of their key components and kind of in the way that we're doing that right now with the capitals where it kind of seems like they'll make the playoffs but they'll be out in the first round because they have enough talent to be the best of the bad teams like they have significantly more talent than pretty much everybody else below them in the division but for the most part everyone's kind of washington's window of contention was over and for a while now since I don't even know what series I would say, because in 19 they lose to the Islanders in round one, then they lose to Pittsburgh in the bubble, and then last year the Islanders again. It sounds weird to say about a team that has two of probably the 20, 25 best players in the league, and then Latang, who's probably one of the 40 best players in the league, to say their window of contention was over, but it kind of felt that way. But the energy around the team has been a little bit different this year, and we'll talk about that a little bit more as we move down the timeline, but how... What's different? Why is what happened last spring, why were they able to move on from that and improve? Because they didn't make any big imports. They didn't make any big roster transactions, change anything. What's different now that's allowed them to be better? Because last spring was pretty, that was a pantsing by the end of that series. The Islanders had them in hell by the end of that series, just because of the style they
1: play. Yeah, you know that that series still kind of irks me to this day because if you go back and you look at the numbers, the Penguins, they should have won that series. They, they had more well. attempts, they had more scoring chances for, they led in high danger, expected goals, everything except the biggest thing, goaltending. Goals. It can either yeah. kill you or it can be your biggest strength. And you know what, Ilya Sorokin went beast mode. Tristan Jari did not at the end of the day that's why the Penguins lost that series if Tristan Jari was at least average or if he's playing like the way he's playing this year the Penguins probably win that series in five or six um and I know the Islanders style of hockey is obviously very challenging to play against you know they don't give you a lot you know when you make a mistake they capitalize on it but I thought the Penguins they they, when they were getting their chances at times they were putting it in the back of the net it was just you know every time they would do that they would just they would get scored on the other way even when they were playing fine defense but also they didn't really need i thought to make a lot of big moves this offseason and that's not ron hextall's mo you know he's going to be patient he has a very tight circle he he doesn't usually get miffed about a lot of things and they went out and they made some fine depth signings danton heinen has double digit goals this year evan rodriguez for as great of a start that he has had that he had and I know he's been cold lately. He's still been a better player this year compared to last year. Um, yeah. You know, they were able to bring in Brock McGinn to replace Brandon Tanev. He's up to ba- almost double digit goals. Now um, he's been a great fit for the bottom six. I know, I guess the term is a bit much, but his cap hit, I think is perfectly fine. At least in my opinion, he, he's a cheaper Brandon Tanev, Um, I think. Um, but you know they and they were able to rely on that depth scoring in the first half of the season when they were banged up that's the biggest reason i think where they are today especially with the goaltending was that you know when the stars weren't playing or they weren't producing they were getting that depth scoring from their bottom two lines and now even though it's dried up lately the stars have been able to pick up the load because you know they can't do it all the time and that's the balance that all cup winning teams need but you know this year When they're fully healthy, they're very deep. I don't know if I would go as far and say it's Colorado level or Florida. Tampa Bay is obviously very deep. Carolina is very, very good. But they can still contend with the top teams in the conference, though I still think they probably have to go out and get a forward. You know, I don't really care what you trade to get it. This is one of their last chances to probably win another cup in this window, too. Um, And as I said as well, Nick, you know, the starting goaltender has been a big key into why this team has been that good this year. And, you know, and I'll, and I'll say this, Mike Sullivan, there's a total buy-in with him. There's a reason why so many people have him as a top three coach in hockey with probably John Cooper and Barry Trotz. Um, I would put him, he's probably my one, a one B with Cooper, or if you want to put a one C with Trotz too, but um, when there's total buy-in from all the players, And, you know, it doesn't really matter who's in the lineup versus who's out. Um, This is what you get. And they're they're, they're a fun team to watch when everything is going right. So
0: what do you think, if you had to kind of put like a label on it, what would you say was the the overarching theme in the transactions they made in the offseason? What didn't work last year that they imported from outside that's made things better? Because the bottom six has definitely been better this year.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, they, they they just they made these shrewd little cheap signings that, you know, they don't have a lot of cap space. They wanted to stay fast. They wanted to keep getting depth scoring. And they said, OK, well, we're going to go out and accomplish this with whatever cap space we have. You know, they lost the Brandon Tanev contract, which was a bad deal by Jim Rutherford. I loved the player, obviously. But when you pay six years for a bottom six player and almost four million per that's most of the time it's going to be bad. And the Penguins yeah. were able to use that cap space to their advantage. Could they have gotten more cap space? Sure. You know, they traded Jared McCann, a move that I'm probably not a fan of. I think they could still use him today, but you know, again, you know, they, they added players that, you know, I, I guess I should use the example of Danton Heinen, you know, he was kind of an outcast on the ducks. His two most common line mates last year, Per naturals Patrick or Jakob Silverberg and Adam Henrique. Two players who were good in their prime, but they're not they're not that good anymore. And he yeah. still had close to double digit goals on a pretty bad Anaheim team. Now he comes over, plays with better line mates and Jeff Carter, fits Mike Sullivan, Jeff Carter and usually Evan Rodriguez or Jason Zucker when he's healthy, fits Mike Sullivan's system to a T. Now you're seeing the results that you know he's been getting. And it just – it made a lot of sense right when he signed it, and it's, it's been a great move. You know, McGinn, you know, they needed to fill that Brandon Tanev spot. They didn't have anyone else in the organization to do it. They said, okay, we're going to go out and get a forward who had a pretty good offensive year last year and has pretty similar defensive impacts. You know, I think I believe the expected goals against for Tanev and McGinn are very break-even. Um, yeah. it's, it's basically a wash, um, I think. I just – you know, at the time, I thought McGinn had better offensive upside. He has shown that this year, even though lately the puck has just not gone in the net for him, even though he's been shooting the puck quite a lot. Um, And, you know, they brought back back Rodriguez. They thought, hey, you know, maybe he'll be better this year. Well, that's been that to a T um, and and then some. So, you know, again, they didn't really need to do much. The, the, The foundation and the core were there. They just needed to, you know, fix the fringes of the roster. I think, you know, with a team like Pittsburgh, a a job for a general manager shouldn't be that difficult you really just have to go out you know you have your core in place right it's all about getting the fringes of the roster right and the supporting cast and for the most part Pittsburgh has a pretty damn good supporting cast you know another thing Mike Matheson last year pretty bad on the bottom pairing this year he's probably been their second best defenseman I mean that's it's crazy to think about because his contract is really bad, yeah. um, but, you know, he's basically a one-man zone entry as well. Um, it's it's just they're also getting impacts from players that, you know, they weren't as good last year. Now, do they still have holes to fill? Yeah, it would be nice to go out and get a backup goalie to solidify Tristan Jari. They do need to go out and get a top-six winger. But, you know, they filled what holes they needed to fill during the offseason season. And it, it didn't need to be a huge shakeup. You know, if Jim Rutherford was still in charge, I'm sure he would have pulled off a massive freaking deal to try and get Marc-Andre Fleury back because Tristan Jari screwed up or, you know, it, he would have shipped out someone in the top six or something like that. But, you know, when you have Gino, you have Crosby, you have Brian Rust, who's going to get a lot of money this off season. When you have Jake Gensel, you know, all that matters is, you know, who are you going to fill out, you know, in those bottom spots? And I think Hextall you know, more or less did a pretty good job with that. You know, the Carter, you know, Jeff Carter is obviously still here. He's playing really well this season. You just signed that extension. Um, and again, when they are healthy, I think they can, I, I don't think they're as deep as some of the other teams, but I think they can go toe to toe with some of these other really top teams. So, the season
0: started out kind of dire straits. I mean, Sid had yeah. surgery
1: in the off season,
0: missed the start of the year. Malkin missed the start of the year. Malkin didn't get back till I think, November, December, even later than Sid. And it would have been pretty easy for the Penguins to just, you know, punt on the first two months of the season and have to make a pretty furious dash down the second half to get back in, it didn't play out like that. And we've seen a few teams. I mean, the Islanders are the ones that stand out the most, where they had a November, uh, December from hell, where half their team, more than half their team was on the COVID list, and they had to play an AHL lineup for basically two weeks, and that sank their entire season. And the Penguins were able to withstand missing their two best players for the first half of the season. And that's a genuine accomplishment. That is something... that you can point to what that's one of the things where it's really hard to identify good coaches in hockey because there's just so much variance and so much is just so much of it just comes down to good goaltending but sullivan's ability to get more from from less talented guys is something you can genuinely point to and say during this guy's tenure in pittsburgh the secondary players the lower guys in the lineup they have always elevated their game playing under him and that is something that's quantifiable, identifiable, and even just watching, you can see everybody knows their job, everybody knows their responsibility, and when you do have mess-ups, every team has mess-ups, that's part of hockey, there's randomness to it, but it really does seem like this is a masterstroke in a coaching career, just to be able to not just survive those first two months, but to play pretty well those first two months, it's
1: been really impressive to watch. Yeah, you know, they stayed in it those first two months. They were in striking distance. They were in the top three in the Metro, which is fine. You know, all that mattered is you could stay two to three points back, hell, even four points back. And you get your guys back and, you know, you you would have a shot. Well, the Penguins were able to get mostly healthy. They're still battling a few injuries right now. And then they went on that massive tear in December where they were basically beating every team in the league. And then January rolls around. They start, you know, they slipped a little bit, but they're still winning games when they're not playing their best. February, they went six and three and one. Again, not playing their best hockey, but they're getting the job done when it counts. Even, you know, they have a few losing streaks and all that, but you hit the nail on the head. When, you know, things are most dire for the Penguins, they seem to play some of their best hockey. And I feel like they're also very structured in that mindset, you know, go to opening night versus Tampa Bay, right? Sid and Gino are out. A lot of other players have COVID. Everyone's like, well, this is the easiest time to pick Tampa Bay, right? Well, Penguins go down there and they absolutely bully them and Tampa Bay, you know, scores a couple of goals, but you know, they're still stifled offensively. And even John Cooper said after the game, you know, we were not ready to play and we stunk. And that's, it's a credit to Mike Sullivan for having all of those players ready to go. And, you know, I know why people point to the Mark Dong situation about how, you know, (laughs) players, random players come up from Wilkes-Barre or, Wherever else, and they get their first goal. You know, usually that happens against Toronto. But you know, (laughs) we got to make a joke about the Leafs at some point here. Um, They almost scoot over themselves against the Red Wings. But again, you hit the nail on the head there. You know, he he gets a total buy-in from all the players, and it is crazy to think about because he's been coaching this team since 2015. Yeah not many coaches survive this long in the NHL. You know, I believe it's he's only behind John Cooper for the second most longest tenured coach in the league. And there's a reason for that. They're the two, I think the two best coaches in the league. And you know, they had multiple COVID outbreaks this season. Obviously, you know, not as bad as what you said with the Islanders or a couple other teams that actually had to shut down. But the Penguins still said, you know what, we're gonna power through this. And we're still going to win games. And, you know, there were times where they screwed up because they didn't have enough talent in the lineup to win, but they were still fighting and actually showing a pulse in those games for when the big guns came back, they, they would still be able to, okay, we're going to keep playing the same way, but we're now going to win those games. And again, you know, Rod, Rodriguez was a huge part to that early season success. Um, Jeff Carter was awesome. Tristan Jari obviously was giving them rock solid goaltending at the start. He's done that all year. And, you know, it just, again, a a lot of that hasn't really changed except for maybe Rodriguez's production going down because he was never going to be, you know, a point per game player or something like that. But, um, you know, mainly for the Jack Adams, I will say, you know, show me a good coach and I'll show you a good goaltender. Right. You know, that's mainly that's what it is for the Jack Adams award. But for this year, if Mike Sullivan doesn't get even a nomination for it, something is seriously wrong because I thought last year was probably his best coaching job. They won the division outside of, you know, being one of the top three to five teams and man games lost this year. They've had multiple COVID outbreaks, numerous injuries. They haven't even fielded a healthy lineup this year still. Um, And they're still at the top of the league right now and contenders wise, probably in that five to seven range. Yeah. And, This has just been a a masterclass by Sullivan. You know, he's a great coach in today's game. And, you know, I'll, I'll go as far as to say, you know, I love Badger Bob, obviously, but he's probably the best coach in this franchise's history he gets a lot out of
0: a little that is a true that is the sign of a good coach regardless of sport whether it's football basketball baseball hockey whatever you manage to get more from support guys you need that you cannot get by in the postseason with just two lines and it's interesting because the penguins have gone through two iterations of stanley cup contender and in between those two iterations the one and then the one that went back to back They had the problems in the bottom six, where they didn't have the right type of guys, and then they figured out that third line. They had the Hagelin, Benito, and Kessel line. That really ironed it out. That was one of the best lines in the playoffs, both of those years. And then the last couple years, they've had problems in that bottom six. It's just really interesting when you think about it like that. When you get the recipe perfectly right, don't change it. And then, for whatever reason, they got away from that. They had adventures with guys like Tanner Glass and guys like Ryan Reeves. Just... Trying to get too creative you're you're outthinking yourself if you know something works You don't need to get away from it specifically for one or two games on your regular season schedule That's something we've seen a lot now Especially in the last couple of years the Rangers come to mind in particular of you're overthinking it the point of hockey is to score goals It's nice to have the other tangibles and other things that make an environment better, but Eventually, someone is going to have to score, and the Penguins have ironed it out where they definitely need to get somebody to play on Malkin's wing, but the fourth line, rock solid. The first line is one of the best first lines in the league, and yes, that's a line that, I mean, Brian Rust is going to go to another team and get a nice payday, but he's never going to play like this on another team. That's just a product of being in a good environment, on a good system, on a good line. And what Pittsburgh has done, infrastructure-wise, is what you should be... That is what Tampa should be looking to be five years from now. You're still going to have Point. You're still going to have Stamkos. You'll probably have Sorelli and Kucherov. And then you got to figure everything else out. you got to be able to manage that over the course of time. And it's hard to do. Even the Penguins have messed up figuring out the exact right amount of lineup
1: balance. It's really hard to do. It is no, I completely agree with you. You know, in a way, I think the Penguins really showed everyone in 2016 what the, the kind of the blueprint is to win the Stanley Cup. You gotta be fast, you gotta be skilled. You know, they had four scoring lines during yeah. that run where they just absolutely blitzed every team they faced. You know, the Rangers in the first round. Heck, I mean, I think they were kind of lucky to even take a game with um, yeah. the Penguins. They absolutely destroyed the Capitals in the second round. That almost ended in five games. The only team that really gave them a fight was Tampa Bay, and that was because. We saw the Andre Vasilevsky show for the first yeah. time, and he was a rookie that year. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, that's he's gonna be a problem for many years to come. And you know, you you, you are right, you know, they went away from it at times, they brought Ryan Reeves in for some reason, Ray Shiro before that, Tanner Glass, Joe Tally, Craig Adams. You don't need those kind of <laughs> players to win. You know, you, you look at a team like Colorado, and I know some people will say, Well, you know, they haven't won anything yet. Well, you know, the part yeah. They have Kadri,
0: though. That's the thing. You got.
1: You gotta. Yeah. It's more important
0: to have a high end guy who plays like that than it is to have, like Kucherov is a mean fuck. Like that dude will cross check yes. the shit out of you and not give a shit. It's more important for your good players to be mean assholes than it is to just have a mean asshole in your lineup, which is something that hockey is slowly figuring out. We'll get there eventually, where people start to understand that. One question I have for you: What's going on with Kapanen? Because his underlying numbers aren't bad like uh, decent possession metrics he's not having the same shooting luck he was having last year i had him on my fantasy team last year and i figured he'll ride shotgun with somebody accumulate points and he was fine last year but the counting stats aren't there even though the decent underlying numbers are what's going on with kapanen
1: yeah you, you hit the nail on the head there his underlyings aren't bad you know his expected goals for you know shot attempts expect you know scoring chances for you know that are right around i think where they normally are it's just a, the puck is not going in, but B, uh-huh. the biggest thing for me is that he has no confidence right now. Okay. He comes into the zone, full steam ahead, stops, randomly just you know, pumps the brakes and then looks for a pass. And he's not using his speed to his advantage. And I'm just like, what is going on? And And again, I just, I really feel like that just reeks of someone that doesn't have it and what we saw last year when he would come into the zone he would burn people time and time again and yeah. that's why he was a great fit on the getting Malkin's line you know he would also get him the puck at will and then he would get the puck back as well and he would be able to finish his chances and he was also great on breakaways but this year you know some people on penguins twitter basically have a running joke now where every time he comes up to the blue line and stops you just get five dollars because he's been he's just been doing that every game it's it's he's been a player that I don't even recognize I think, you know, myself included, and a lot of other people think if he were to be traded at the deadline, no one would really care at this point, just because, you know, he's, if, if they actually had other options right now, you know, down on wilkes to come in for him, he'd probably be a healthy scratch. I mean, he's not gonna get his qualifying offer after this year. I think he's probably going to walk. Um, I know he's an RFA, but I don't see any way they bring him back. But, you know, when a player doesn't have his confidence, you know, this is this kind of stuff you see when there's basically no production. They've tried him on every single line, including Geno's, including SIDS. Heck, Sullivan stick them on the fourth line, just to basically almost bench him. Nothing has worked. Um, he's had a couple of nice shifts here and there. I believe it, it was a game against the Rangers where he looked like he was flying a couple of times. But, you know, it hasn't amounted to anything. And, you know, he looked great in training camp looked amazing in the preseason and then the regular season comes and it was just a straight up nosedive. Um, I really don't know how to explain it. Other than that, he just, he, he looks lost. What about Marino? Yeah, him, you know, I think more and more people need to start referring to John Marino as kind of like a very mini Mark Edward Vlasic, like a prime okay. mini, mini, mini one, you know, a player that's going to, you know, be a good shot suppressor, the suppressor, excuse me, and be a good defenseman in his own zone. He's not going to wow you with his offensive abilities. That's just, that's not who he is. They have Chris tang for that, who I know his contract is up after the year, which is fine. They're going to have to pay him hopefully four times eight, you know, some, somewhere around those lines. But You know, Marino, I don't think was ever going to be that next franchise guy. Is he a good player? Yes. Do I think he needs to play better? Also, yes. Um, You know, I have definitely been hard on him at times this year, and rightfully so. He has not played up to the level that we all saw during his rookie year. But he still, you know – Playing well with, you know, zone entries for 60 minutes, zone exits. He's actually, actually one of the best defensemen on the team and exiting the zone with control. Um, he, him with Pedersen is one of their, it, it, it got to be a really good pairing last year, and it's been just as good, if not better this year, except for a couple of games. They just really Mesh well together. Um, I thought he had one of his better games of the season, actually on Saturday against the Rangers, where him and Pedersen were kind of stifling Panarin a bit. That he, he yeah. wasn't really doing anything when he was coming into the offensive zone. Now his contract, obviously 4.4 times, I believe it's now uh, five more years. It is a bit rich for someone that doesn't provide a lot of offense. And I know Brian Dumoulin has, you know, kind of the same deal for someone who doesn't provide a lot of offense too. But you know. I also think you don't need all of your defensemen to produce all your offense. You know, the Penguins have Mike Matheson, um, Chris LaTang obviously is great on the point, you know, Marino can jump in when he can, but, you know, I think some fans need to temper their expectations with him too. um, And just think of him again, you know, as just, you know, like a mini Vlasic where he'll shut you down. He doesn't wow you with a lot of things and, you know, he will screw up and, again he definitely probably needs help in front of his net as two but I think it's it's going to improve he's still a very young player um you know again once fans see him how they should see him um I think it'll go over a bit better
0: how'd they rebuild Yari's confidence after last season because that's something that's really we've seen that happen a lot where goalies have gone into a playoff series been absolutely awful and they've never recovered I mean Bob had two bad years after the Penguins knocked him out, whatever year that was. Just... That it's really easy to ruin a goalie's confidence in a in a playoff series, and it's not easy to build them back up. It can derail an entire career. What have the Penguins done? What's been the public messaging from the team about what they've done with him to get him where he is? Because he's hanging around that ninth, tenth spot in goals saved above expected for the season, which surprises some people. I know there's the running joke amongst a lot of people on the internet that Yari's not actually that good, and. He wasn't great in the playoffs last year, but his regular season numbers have always been fine. I, I never thought he was a problem in the regular season.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was like you said, he was fine last year. He didn't wow you or anything. Yeah. He had some good months, had some bad months. He turned out to be basically average last year, which was which was fine. You know, the penguins can win on average goaltending. But when obviously it dips below that, that that's not going to happen this year. You know, this is like you said, he's been a completely different goaltender. I think. One of the biggest things for me, man, is they got the new goalie coach, Andy Kyoto. They got Mike Buckley. And I think Kyoto has done phenomenal work with Tristan. One of the biggest things I think I've seen with him is he just has that swagger to him right now in the net where every time a player is coming in, he thinks he's going to save it. And he's a lot more aggressive. Last year, the biggest thing I noticed was that he was not challenging the shooters. He was kind of playing a lot deeper in his net. Seemed afraid of times, especially in the playoffs. Remember, he was not challenging any of those Islander shooters, and it was just it, it was basically ringing the dinner bell um, with that with that regard. Um, but this year, again, you know, he's actually you know coming out you know and making himself look big and making a lot of these saves look easy. And it's been night in and night out, but he has stood on his head. You know, he's his movement has also been much better, left to right, right to left. And, you know, just mechanically, I think Andy has just worked on him tremendously during the offseason. And, and I think also Ron Hextall, you know, they must have had plenty of conversations. I know some people will probably look down on this a little bit or whatnot, but, you know, Hextall himself obviously was a goaltender. But for him to, you know, talk to him many times and believe in him and say, you know, you're kind of come back from this a lot stronger. I think that probably definitely helped him, too, because I'm sure he was in a really shitty place yeah. after that series, you know. Is he going to keep his job? Is he going to get traded? You know, or are they going to look for an upgrade? What's going to happen here? But they said, you know what? We're going to take a chance. We're going to run it back. We know it could end badly. But so far with two months left, um, this has been the best the Penguins could have hoped for. You know, I was hoping that he was just going to be fine. Average was good. But, you know, for a lot of this year, Nick, heck, he was top five in goals. stayed above expected yeah. up there with Freddie Anderson, Jack Campbell. I know he's, you know, dipped down a little bit as of late but he's still playing some pretty damn good hockey and obviously i think the big key for him will be getting some rest down the stretch they got to figure out a way um just to not have him play every game casey DeSmith has been a bit better his last five to six starts which is huge but again man i think just getting a new voice for him in a goalie coach you know having a couple more people believe in him and just you know working on his mechanics i think just has really helped him turn into a goaltender that you know, I don't think any of us um, saw coming. There's a swagger with him that I just don't think I've ever seen before.
0: The last question I have before we start talking about looking ahead, do you think the way they've played this season has changed the expectations around the team because there might not have been such a high expectation level looking towards the playoffs if they hadn't, played so well with a depleted lineup and now they're in first place in the division the excuse second place behind I think Carolina still do you think uh, the way the team has played has changed expectations
1: I I, I think so um you know I, I know Ron kind of said going into this year you know we're kind of going to wait and see you know we, we want to win but you know let, let's see where we are come the deadline right you know obviously you know a lot of people were a bit pessimistic about the penguins. And, you know, I get that, you know, the core is a lot older, especially the big three, you know, the supporting cast was still outside, you know, Gensel and Russ was a little unproven, you know, how was the goaltending going to be, but with how they played this year, I definitely think some things, you know, have changed. And I'm, I'm hoping that Ron Hextall sees that his team has a great shot and they can go through the Metro. It, it's really only a matter of, you know, can they take down Carolina in seven games? That's yeah. going to be one of their outside of the, the whoever comes out of the Atlantic. That's going to be their biggest test because they already played Carolina once. It was a very evenly played game. I think if the Penguins played that game 10 more, uh, nine more times, they probably win four to five. Again, it would probably be a 50-50 split. But, you know, their, their mindset has to be, I think, at this point, they got to be aggressive. Um I don't really care what a first-round pick at this point means. I don't care what your top prospect means. The team is going to suck in a few years anyway, and there's going to be a massive rebuild ahead. But when you have these three players playing at the elite level that they are, I mean, I saw people early in the season saying that Sidney Crosby was kind of washed or something. I mean, he's over a point per game now, and he's closing in on 1,400 points. Kenny Malkin's at a point per game. Chris Letang is probably playing like a top five defenseman in the league this year which I don't I didn't know if I would ever see that from him again considering you know how what his body has been through and all that and how you know just how much older he is but yeah I definitely think things have changed I'm hoping that Brian Burke and Ron Hextall see that you know I know Ron isn't someone that is usually very aggressive as a deadline comes you know he kind of likes to make baby moves but you know this is a different situation from where he was in philadelphia where that team was actually retooling slash rebuilding you have a win now team right now and you need to use that to your advantage I remember last year when they went out and got jeff carter ron said yeah we they had been playing well we wanted to reward them with a move yeah because of this success well ron the team is in second place they have a 99.999 chance of getting in the playoffs You need to go out there and reward them with a move. And hopefully it's a top six winger that can play on Evgeny Malkin's line. And there are obviously no shortage of options out there to say the least.
0: Sid is a guy where if you're not watching the Penguins night in a night out, you're not going to get an appreciation for him where he is at this stage of his career. That that's something that's really kind of like, he still has the occasional highlight reel play where he'll end up on sports center for some backhand or some pass, but It's the subtle stuff now with him. It's the IQ stuff. It's the playmaking. It's not so much the flashy stuff. Because early in his career, he wasn't McDavid fast, but he was pretty damn fast. He was very good on the break bobbing and weaving in and out of traffic, the more flashy stuff, but it's the subtle things now. It's winning the puck battles with minimal effort and not really having to do anything other than moving his wrist. It's winning those 50-50 pucks. It's it's the subtle things now for him because he's at the stage of his career where he understands his physical limitations and because he's one of if not the smartest players in the entire league, he's got 15 years of mental mental work to work with 15 years of reference of playing in the nhl that that's Mm. a lot more than a lot of guys have and it's it's hard to explain that to people who don't watch them every single night i don't watch every single penguins game but once or twice a week i try to catch every single team at least once and he jumps off for the subtle things now it it's not quite the way mark stone plays defense but it's of that ilk where if you have the puck sid is
1: probably going to get it from you yeah. And again, I'm, Cindy Crosby is not some top three Selkie trophy candidate. You know, he really never has been, but his two way game has gotten better each and every year. I mean, he's, yeah. the th- I believe, the highest he's finished is top five, I believe, once or twice. And that, and you know, that's that's warranted. You know, he's not going to be Patrice Bergeron. He's not going to be Anze Kopitar. As you said, Mark Stone, Sean Couturier is up there as well. But, you know, with how good defensively Sid is now, you said it. He is going to get the puck off of you nine out of 10 times because that's how he is. And, you know, he's, he's not the player he used to be. I have no problem saying that. Um, He's just, you know, as he's gotten older, he's had to simplify his game a little bit, become more of a 200 foot player. And that's fine. You know, he's still going to have his wow moments. You know, obviously he scored his 500th goal earlier this year. He still has that, that ridiculous slap shot, which I think is very underrated um you know he'll have some no look passes where it's just like I mean does he have the eyes in the back of his head or something like that you know I don't have a problem you know obviously with him still making these insane plays but it's it's the little things that really just always stand out and it's like man I'm never gonna get tired of that you know once you're tired and it's just stuff like that that I'll remember after he calls it a career you know there's a reason why he is considered a top five to top ten player to ever play the game and you know, a lot of the I do think is the little stuff, and you know it's it, it, he's been such a treat to watch this year. I know he didn't have the starts of the season that he wanted to. His wrist was definitely still bothering him. Also had a stint with COVID, but since then though, um, he's been a, a man on a mission. Been great on the power play. Great even strength. Um, has made a, a bunch of very great defensive plays. Um, when it looked like the puck was about to go in he, he was able to get a stick on the puck and deflect it into play. Some beautiful sliding plays as well. Um, you know, I know he's a bit older and I know he's not Connor McDavid at this point, but he's still a player that I think a lot of people should, you know, go out of their way to watch, you know, at least yeah. you know, once in a while, just because, you know, this is a player that you're going to miss him when he's gone. And I, obviously I know there are a lot of people that don't like Sidney Crosby out there. I, I get it you know, he's, you know, he's won a lot, you know, I think the whining stuff is just, you know, 2007 to 2008 garbage, I don't really, you know, if you're still hating on him for that, I think there's, you know, that says more about you than it says about him, I think, at this point, but, um, you know, I, you know, know, for me, especially, I got over my Alex Ovechkin hate, probably sometime in high school, I I marvel watching him every time I can, he is quite the talent, Um, but um, it is just, it's great to see him and honestly Ovi just continue to tear up the league um, when there's so many younger superstars that are starting to take over it
0: yeah definitely someone you got to have an appreciation for it's the same thing with guys like LeBron where you're you're not Sid's not quite at the twilight of his career like LeBron is because LeBron's a few years older but he's winding down he's probably got a handful of seasons left unless he really wants to keep playing into his 40s We don't know. Everybody's different on how long they want to play. But Mm. looking ahead now, where they are, where they're going, like you said, 99.99% chance to make the postseason. Definitely need to make at least one move at the deadline, if not two. Cap space, not a ton. They can probably do some shenanigans with a third-party team. Arizona will eat some money for a second-round pick. That's what their strategy's been. You can definitely get some chicanery going on there. I'm not going to ask what specific player because there's a lot of guys out there. What type of skill set would you say they need to put on Malkin's wing to solidify that line?
1: I think honestly, someone that can definitely, you know, get him the puck, but also take some weight off his shoulders. You know, I, I know Gino is always the best when he has the puck, but his playmaking ability has always been great. And, you know, they just they need someone that can actually what's what's the word i'm looking for here you know someone that just uh I, i'm 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 blanking on the word facilitate um, yeah I, I think that's the, that's the way to say it um you know he's just he's had too many line mates this year that that haven't fit with him you know captain doesn't ever do anything brock mcginn for as good as he's been he's not a top six winger you know they they also need someone that can actually finish on that line jt miller Brock Besser, Connor Garland. Yeah, there's plenty of options in Vancouver. Hell, I'd love um, if, they, if, if they somehow wanted to go out and get Joe Pavelski if the Stars somehow fall out of it in the next three weeks. Unlikely, v- yes, very much so, but I think that would be a slam dunk. You know, Ricard Raquel from the Ducks, I wouldn't give up a first for him, but he would also make sense. He's a good playmaker and a good finisher, you know, when he's you know he's on his game. But, you know, again, I think they kind of need that hybrid player, kind of someone like Jason Zucker in a way. You know, I think he's someone that is very much missed in this lineup. He forechecks like crazy. He can finish, he can play make. If they can get another player that's a bit better than him, but still has those qualities, um, you know, it, it'll really make that line much better to watch because, you know, I think Gino is, you know, for as good as he's been, he's been struggling just to, you know, have line mates that can consistently you know finish or get him the puck um overall since his comeback seven weeks ago It's hard for
0: the average guy to play with somebody of Malkin's caliber. I mean, the Rangers have been dealing with this for three years now with Panarin, where they cannot find a guy to play on the right wing consistently, because Panarin's very particular in how he likes to play, and when that person is on that line and not doing what he wants them to do, it drags down the whole line, and it's a real problem. And Malkin is a little bit different as a center as opposed to a wing, but they definitely need to get somebody there. And then they have the added benefit of if you add someone to that top six, you can slide somebody down, whether or it's Hinden or Kapanen down another line. And that makes the bottom half of your lineup a little bit better, which is something I've been thinking about with the Rangers specifically, because they get a top six guy in there. Suddenly you can drop everybody down a roll and it makes the lineup that much better for Pittsburgh. I mean, backup goalie is a roll of the dice. There's nobody out there that really jumps out. I mean, I was doing research because the Rangers probably need a backup goalie at this point because do give is below 900 on the year. There's not a lot of enticing options out there. Holtby's are below 900, I think, on the year. Halak is well below 900 on the yeah. year. There's nobody that really jumps out as a veteran on an old contract or somebody in the need of a change of scenery. You might just have to roll the dice with Casey DeSmith, and that that's kind of a scary proposition for a team that views itself as a cup contender. I mean, we've seen Colorado two years in a row derailed by their goalie getting hurt in the postseason. Yeah. So, a, I mean, is there a- anybody it, that comes it, it, through, Yeah,
1: it makes sense. There, you know, you are right. Sorry, I was sorry. So I don't mean to interrupt you there. Um, no no worries. Um, I, I we've been, you know, a lot of the fan base has been looking at backup options and, you know, I would have loved Pelock, but, you know, I've seen his recent numbers lately and that's not been good. Obviously, I think Braden Holpe does make sense, though it would be funny to kind of see the reaction to Penguins fans um, seeing him in a Penguin uniform. But I said this on my episode last night, Nick, you know, with DeSmith, his last five starts. goals against average, 934 save percentage, and he's actually been able to save a few goals above expected. You know, he's he's turned his game around a little bit and he's actually, it's looked like he's been able to, you know, save his job because there was, after that game in Columbus where he basically just, you know, he was pulled after one period. I think that told everyone um, how much little confidence Mike Sullivan has in him. Tristan Dari came in, didn't allow a goal the rest of the way. Um, since then, though, they've been able you know, to work with uh, Casey. Andy Kyoto has been able to do some work on the ice, off the ice, and he's been a different goalie. He's gotten back to where he was last year. And, you know, I, I said this yesterday too, at this point right now, a winger for Gino's line is higher on the wish list than a backup goaltender. Would I like both? Absolutely. If they can do both, I would. You know, it's extra insurance. I know Louis Deming is back practicing. That's big too. But you know, with how Tristan is going and with how Casey has bounced back, I think you you maybe can run the risk of going the rest of the year with the measured tandem. Obviously, if Tristan gets hurt, this whole operation is finished. You yes. cannot afford an injury to one of the best goaltenders. But, you know, I would say the same with Igor Shosturkin. I would say the yeah. same for Andre Vasilevsky. I would say the same for any great goaltender in hockey that can get hurt. But... You know, I think right now, I think Ron might be leaning towards just running the table with that tandem. He said he was going to do it at the beginning of the season. He hasn't backed down from it. And, you know, they may go out and get a forward. And if that's all they do, um, I'm fine with it.
0: So you you mentioned it briefly before, and we're going to get into it right now. This division is weird. This division has been one of the harder ones in the league for a while now, because everybody, it's not that there's a ton of elite teams. It's that everybody is at least decent. So they all beat up on each other. We saw this a lot last year where, where the splits were even more egregious because they only played each other. It. Because Carolina is good. I've been waiting for the Carolina breakthrough in the postseason for three years now. Basically, since that first Rod year, I've, I've firmly viewed them as contenders. They've shored up some things. They've made some interesting lineup decisions. I still don't know if I necessarily agree with letting Dougie Hamilton leave, but the amount of money, I understand. He's a little bit pricey for a defenseman. Carolina seems like the only team I would take ahead of the Penguins, like just looking at it objectively in terms of Washington. The Rangers handled Washington very easily last Thursday. Their defense is not great. The goaltending is a big question mark. The Rangers have five forwards who are good hockey players. So until they address that, they're probably not that serious of a head-to-head. What concerns you about
1: playing Carolina? Um, you know, Rod Rindamore is a great coach. They're deep, they're fast, they're skilled, their defense is mobile. They got a hell of a goaltender. Um, They're a juggernaut. You know, I know some people have said to me, well, Hunter, you know, they they haven't had a lot of success in the playoffs. And it's like, I I don't really care about that. (laughs) You know, people don't understand how hard it is to win the Stanley Cup playoffs. A lot of it is luck driven. Sometimes the best, better team does not win. But when you have a lineup that has a prime Sebastian Ahu, Andre Svechnikov, Tevo Taravainen, you know, Vincent Trocek, Jordan Stahl, you know, I I can keep going and going, you know, Jasperi Kokaniemi, defensively, Jacob Slavin, Brett Pesci, Tony D'Angelo, who's actually been pretty good this year, um, and and a whole lot more Frederick Anderson, and you got a hell of a coach. I mean, that's just going to be a tough series. I saw them play the Penguins a couple weeks ago. That was a very evenly played game. The Penguins had a couple bad defensive breakdowns. That's you know, whatever to me. But you know, if they play again, if they play that game probably four to five more times, or nine more, nine to ten more times, they would probably win four to five of them. That series would probably go seven games. I think they're the two best teams in the division. It would make for a very entertaining brand of hockey. Um, the Jordan Stall revenge storyline is obviously there. I, I I love Jordan. I'll never say a bad word about him for what he did in 2009. Um, but you know, I'm probably one of the people out there that doesn't really hate Carolina because I think they're a whole lot of fun. They're they're what like, they have a team that's built you know to, for today's NHL. They don't really have a lot of you know all that grit and all that other stuff that some people say you need. Um, but you know, it's. Two great coaches go at it. They're both both teams are deep. Um, it would be a tremendous series. Probably um, give all Penguins fans about a thousand heart attacks, I should say. But um, you look at where both teams are underlying numbers wise, they're both in the top ten in the league, shot attempts, scoring chances, high danger, goal state above expected. Um, you know, it would be, you know, again, two heavyweights going 15, 20 rounds in the ring.
0: Carolina's got functional grit.
1: The same stuff I was
0: saying about Tampa Bay before, about yeah. like Kucherov is a mean bastard. Svechnikov can kind of get after it. Net, Marty Natchez is a big guy. They've got a really good defensive third line with Lorenz, Stahl, and Jesper Fast, And the fourth line, with Mikotekiemi, Levio, and Stepan. And then they still have some extra guys they can bring in and out because they have so many forwards. They have functional grit, which is what you need. You, you need guys who can actually play... Mm. Beyond just the functional dump the puck in the zone and go get it. And Carolina's depth has that. Pittsburgh is in an interesting spot now because legacies are more or less settled. Sid is one of the five or 10 best players ever. Malkin is one of the five or 10 best Russians ever, probably one of the 25, yes. 30 best players, even though the NHL didn't acknowledge him for the NHL 100 thing. The legacies are more or less settled here. This is one of the more decorated groups that the league has had. In a long time, they've been the league's poster boy team for much of Sid's career with good reason. You want to market your best players. Do you think it really matters if there's anything else on top of what they've already done? Do you think that means anything really aside from just making the fans a little bit happier?
1: Honestly, no. You know, they they don't really have much more to accomplish, right? (laughs) I mean, they've won three. That's, you know, Kane and Taves level right there. If you can get four, obviously, that's kind of the immortality stage. It's you know, they, they want to tie Gretzky and Messier for, you know, you know, the, the duo that won four, of course, you know, there, but, you know, I think, you know, they've beaten all the rivals in the playoffs. They took down the Islanders once they have taken on the Rangers. They've taken down the hurricanes before, but, you know, obviously the senators, they've taken on the flyers a couple times. You know, I, I should say, I guess the only small thing they haven't done is beat the Bruins in a seven game series. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's funny, you know, that's, and obviously that's the one where they got swept in 2013. It still has a sour taste. I think in a lot of people's mouths to this day, but you know, if there's one other thing other than another Stanley cup for this group, it's, you know, beating a team like Boston and, you know, besting Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand and David Posternick, because, you know, I, I think a lot of us have been waiting for another series between those two teams. It would not go that way again. Um, but honestly, again, Nick, they, I'll be, whatever happens, happens. I'll be happy with three. I mean, there's teams obviously, you know, that haven't won since the sixties, the seventies, hell even before that, you know, I'm, I'm spoiled. You know, this franchise has won five cups since 1991. That's very, very good to say the least. Um, So um, they can get one more awesome. If not, you know, I'm not going to obviously be too upset but if they can you know if they can run the gauntlet here and go through some very tough competition and maybe get a series in the final against Colorado that's my dream scenario to watch a team that you know I kind of it's like my like it's like my I shouldn't say like a sister team but you know a team that it's like a mistress team I guess in a way because I (laughs) loved Peter Forsberg growing up um that would be a lot of fun
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. What would you quantify as a successful season at this point? And don't say winning the Stanley cup, because that's obviously the answer. What is the, what is the barometer for success at this point? You
1: no, know, I think winning at least a round or two, if okay. you can beat the Rangers, that that would be good. Um, losing to Carolina. Obviously I think some people would be upset, but losing to Carolina. I mean, not, I mean, that's what happens. They're, they're a great team. But if they can win that, and then you know, say you lose the Tampa or Florida in the third round, are people really going to be that upset? Considering they haven't won a playoff series since 2018, you know, I, I don't really think so. Um, at least okay. in my opinion, I, I wouldn't be too upset. You know, I've seen a lot of success. Obviously, I do want one more long playoff run. Obviously, but you know, at the end of the day, if they don't um, get it, you know, ho- hopefully, you know, there'll be a time for next year or something. But Again, you know, a successful one winning a round or two should be um, considered a success for most fans.
0: All right, last question before we wrap up, do our promos and such. What is your biggest concern for the Penguins the rest of the regular season? Good
1: question. I think, honestly, it's just riding Jari too much. Um, You know, that they can't let him start every game down the stretch. I know the schedule is... Very, very tough and don't, you know, I, I totally get that. But, you know, that they, they got to find a way for him to get the rest that he needs. Um, injuries, I think they're mostly fine right now. Defensively, they got to probably clean up some odd man rushes, making sure they're not, you know, screwing up in the defensive zone and all that. But I think, you know, the biggest thing for me, just making sure that the starting goalie is healthy. And, you know, I honestly should say the entire team you know, needs yeah. to stay healthy down the stretch. You know, they just get, they gotta bank points. Um, I know it's they're basically a lock at this point. They just they can't run into too long um of cold streaks. Um I think at this point. I don't really have too many concerns down the stretches because of where they are in the standings. It's just a matter of, you know, making sure that everyone, including the goaltender, is well rested for the playoffs.
0: All right, Hunter, before I get you out of here, plug the pod, plug what you're yeah. writing lately your twitter anything else you want to highlight
1: yeah so you can follow me on twitter at hunter Hodes. the show's twitter is at lo underscore penguins i do um shows every week monday through friday during the season i also right now for this fun from sports illustrated i work um well my new schedule starts next wednesday so you can view my stories if you go to the funcom um that's starting full-time on wednesday and you know Uh, support your content creators you know it's not a it's a very hard thing to do obviously what nick does um he kills it on his podcast he kills it for gotham of course um it's a hard it's a hard world out there but you know we're we're trying our best and um just continue to support everyone's work and no man um thank you so much for having me this was a great talk to have I'm, i'm always willing to talk penguins it's
0: always good to pick other people's brains because other people see things differently than you. And that's the whole point of what I've been doing here with the NHL series where I've been going team by team. Because I can watch the penguins, but I don't see the penguins the same way you do, which is why it's productive to have these types of conversations. It expands your frame of reference, allows you to think about things a little bit differently. That's the the point I've been trying to drive home in this series. So very much thank you for coming on. We will be back tomorrow. Winnipeg Jets, Friday, we will be back. Vancouver Canucks, we're making our way through the league. We're doing good things. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a good one.